Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, nature is, without over-egging things, an unstoppable force, one which we pale miserably in comparison to with all our brio and intellect. But we do try to understand nature and the world we live in, plucky little upstarts that we are, and perhaps the most fundamental way we do that is through numbers. And while we like to think that we have a pretty good grasp of them, that's fortunately, or rather unfortunately, not always the case. Georgina Sturge is author of Bad Data, How Governments, Politicians and the Rest of Us Get Misled by Numbers, and she's also the House of Commons Library Statistics Specialist. Welcome to the programme, Georgina. Um, What what exactly do you do uh, as House of Commons Library Statistics Specialist? The House of Commons Library is a research and information service to the UK Parliament, more specifically the House of Commons. So we work for all of the MPs, regardless of party, and for all of their staff as well. And so what we do is prepare material for them uh, to brief them for debates, general briefing papers as well on topics of uh, importance of policy, and we also answer direct questions from them. So as a statistician there, I'm answering questions about statistics-related questions, so uh, requests for numbers, basically. And yeah. I see firsthand what an important part of the policymaking process that is. And that's partly what kind of inspired me to write this book, Bad Data, which was that in looking for statistics on all kinds of policy topics, I was really struck by some areas where we do have really good data, maybe somewhere you wouldn't expect it, and others which are really important for policy where there are big gaps in the data or flaws and they've led to some uh, pretty bad uh, unintended consequences in the past. Yeah, we can string a narrative together with uh, with a single statistic or two um, and that can cause huge problems, particularly when we're looking at something as complicated as, as migration and justice, the, the areas in which you're a statistics specialist. So um, how do you go about uh, collecting numbers on migration to, to, to help people make decisions on policy? I mean, you'd want to be very sure about your numbers and yet it's a very tricky thing to do, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, you ideally would want to be quite sure. But unfortunately, in the past, in the UK, certainly, we've not really been very sure. So um, at the library, we just rely on statistics that are produced by either the government or the Office for National Statistics. So it's not us going out there and collecting the data, luckily, because it's quite a task. And um, yeah, the UK... For, for decades, basically, the main way of, of measuring immigration was by doing this survey of um, people arriving and departing at airports, mainly. And so it, it quite literally was people standing with clipboards and interviewing people about them, their plans for coming to the UK, why they were coming, how long they were planning to stay, and so on. And, and those were um, the backbone of our migration estimates for decades. But uh, it turned out that they they weren't necessarily up to the task because at one point, for a period of years, they were essentially missing a lot of people off those estimates because they weren't doing this survey and they weren't counting people at certain airports that became really popular. Yeah, um, the 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 problem, of course, is um, if you 
derive policy from data and that data is poorly collected, then you've got bad policy. And 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 this is sort of what your book is about, the fact that a lot of the time when we're collecting the data, we're, we're asking the wrong questions and so getting the wrong answers. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the, the stories that you tell in the book where this happens, where the data isn't collected correctly because the right questions weren't asked and that led to catastrophic consequences for for farmers for for migrants and other groups so yeah to carry on talking about the the migrants for a minute this um the survey that the ons was doing to to pick up migration had some flaws in it and one of them led to a situation where it looked like a huge number of people were overstaying their visa essentially so students in particular it looked like they were coming in and then just not leaving again. And this was kind of estimated to be in the tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Wow. And understandably, when when that news kind of broke, it caused quite a stir. And this was the early 2010s when um, Theresa May was the Home Secretary. And so this these uh, overstaying kind of revelations really caught the eye of government and politicians in general. And, and so she announced a clemency for anyone who was staying and uh, and, and opened the gates wider, I'm sure. And that's not exactly what happened, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more or less the opposite, that there were policies introduced to try and um, crack down on overstaying, essentially. And of course, there, there was a certain level of overstaying, but it was later revealed that the, this kind of huge number of people overstaying was actually just a mirage in the statistics or a mistake even. So is that so, a, was that a mistake of collecting the data or interpreting the data? It was a mistake in the way that the data was collected because it was basically asking people, it was based on this survey and they were asking people who were leaving the UK, what was your original purpose for arriving? And so a lot of people who had come as students uh, for some reason, were not saying that they'd come as students originally. They were saying something else, maybe because they'd left briefly after their studies and then come back to work or something like that. So it was a really quite a fuzzy way of picking up these kind of things, looking back. And now we do the government, the Home Office and the ONS, they are trying to come up with a better way of measuring this kind of thing because, yes, they had to admit it, it was a bit too fuzzy for that purpose. Yeah. And obviously it, it just kind of led to a policy, several policies, in fact, being introduced that were to tackle a problem that didn't really exist. And when you're signing checks for millions or sometimes billions of pounds, uh, it's really important to make sure that the, the data you have is complete as well, right? Because um, in the mid-2000s, the Labour government uh, wanted to to uh, be tackling this new EU farming subsidy as best as it could, and it based it on what it thought was um, uh, the situation with farmers in the UK. But actually, it turns out there was a miscalculation that led to some serious consequences. That's right. So the UK government was really keen to be on the front foot when it came to changing the way that the EU farming subsidy was delivered back in the early 2000s. And uh, so it switched from being based on how much farmers produced to how much land farmers or anybody was farming, essentially, or capable of farming. So the government had an estimate of how many people it thought would be in that pool. But then when the day came to, to start the new system, they were overwhelmed with new applications. And 
a lot more people were applying for it than they'd previously thought. And what it boiled down to was the fact that in the UK, we still to this day don't have complete records of who owns what land. Mm. It's actually estimated that still about 15% of the land in the UK is unregistered. So it may well, it usually will be owned by somebody in a legal sense, but there's just no record of who that is. And in the early 2000s, that that situation was even worse. So that was quite a major kind of basic hole in the data, if you will. And and yeah. that, as we say, had um, some really horrible things happen as a result of it. Um, uh, some farmers faced bankruptcy, and, and and there were some suicides as a result directly of of failing to be able to access the payments that they expected to get. Yeah, that's right. There were pretty serious consequences in in that case, and it just kind of shows that having good data is not really just some niche or technical problem for policymakers. It can have life or death consequences really i mean we saw this too in the pandemic where having data was was really something essential to kind of make sure that people were being kept safe and i think sometimes we do tend to think that numbers and stats and data is kind of the preserve of of just nerds who love excel spreadsheets but these things really do have real world consequences and that's what i've tried to bring to life in the book through these kind of stories is there a danger that one or two people may have an agenda, may see numbers and uh, and being good at these sort of things, may be able to interpret them or portray them to policymakers in a way that suits them? Uh, you know, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm I'm a bit of a fan of, of an old conspiracy theory when there's evidence for it. Um, and, and I'm just wondering, is, is it the case that um, if you were well placed in the, the the system of policy making and data gathering, would you be able to interpret numbers to to lean one way more conservative or more more liberal, more more um, Tory, more Labour um, in the way you portray that data? Is there a danger of that? Certainly, there's always a danger that with statistics interpretation, well, there can be a variety of interpretations, and it can kind of change what you take away from them. And I think, I mean, that's kind of to do with political spin and that sort of thing, mm. which is not really necessarily what I'm trying to get at in the book. But it is, of course, always a risk. And you will see it. And it doesn't even need to be with kind of bad intentions. But you will see sometimes that the same official statistics can be used by opposing parties and uh, they can use them to to draw different conclusions. Yeah. So there was there's a, something described in the book where you've got a, an episode where the prime minister and the leader of the opposition, I think a couple of years ago, one of them was arguing that poverty had gone up and the other was saying it had gone down. And hmm. various fact checkers were going, well, how can both of these things be the case <laughs> at the same time? And they were both using the exact same statistics but it was just a question of what kind of what reference year they were comparing it with. Yeah. And also the fact that there are two different main ways of measuring poverty. There's the there's relative poverty, so that's more about where people are in relation to others, and then there's absolute poverty, which is how many people fall below a certain poverty line. Mm. And so you've got a bit a bit of a pick and mix really with poverty statistics. 
and the yeah what you decide to focus on can change the conclusion that you draw absolutely and of course we, what you want to be able to say you can find some uh, yeah find some way to up. say it yeah that, uh, the, the difference between mean median and average is is often at play there um let's um finish off talking a little bit about ai is it possible that ai might help us um to to check the statistics um, for bias to, uh, to, to also uh, ensure um, that we have accuracy or is that not, um, is that once you have bad data, is that not something AI can spot? Well, AI is an interesting one because it can, it can both help us and it can also cause a mess in its own right if it's kind of left to, to churn along without being supervised. Um, it can, AI or um, machine kind of driven processes are more reliable in some respects than human decision making, because when they're set a task to do, they will just do it without making any kind of human error style mistakes. But the issue with AI is that, as you say, if you've got bad data feeding into it, then it's not going to make a better decision necessarily or have a better outcome than a human would with that data because the problem would be that the data in its own right is flawed so feeding bad data in to a machine driven kind of process is just going to, to going to result in bad decisions still coming out the other end now this we saw and this in holland there didn't is, we? yeah so there this there was an episode um in the netherlands where for years there had been the um Department for Work and Pensions equivalent there had been um, using an algorithm to try and pick up benefit fraud. So it had been looking at all this data and kind of determining who was more likely to be committing benefit fraud. And so it was kind of merrily doing this for years and years. But then at some point, people started picking up on the fact that, that there was an overwhelming number of foreign nationals being accused of fraud. And hmm. they were being asked to kind of pay back decades worth of, of benefit payments in some Yikes. cases. Yeah. And then uh, this um, meant that the government decided to take a close look at what this algorithm was actually doing. And it had kind of trained itself to spot the likelihood of people committing benefit fraud. But what it had decided to focus on was people's people with dual dual nationality. It had kind of picked that up as a predictor right. of um, being likely to commit fraud. But this was just, it had just kind of come up with this through some like... Uh, some random just, passionate frame. It that kind of just a bit random, yeah. It kind of defied common sense, but mm. it just showed... Nobody had really been supervising that algorithm. If they'd Christ. just lifted the lid on it a bit sooner and taken a look, they would have said, well, this seems a bit silly, doesn't it? Nationality <laughs> is not a predictor of fraud. Essentially, it, it led to a lot of people being wrongly accused of fraud. Yeah. It might cost the Dutch government a billion euros in compensation. And it ultimately led to the entire government there resigning right before a general election. Wow. Uh, if that's not a warning, I, I don't know what is. Uh, Georgina Sturge is the author of Bad Data, How Governments, Politicians and the Rest of Us Get Misled by Numbers. Georgina, thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.